Welcome to the Butts and Seeds Podcast, episode number 55, or ECW episode number four. Oh yeah, I guess I, I didn't really think about like the ECW versus the end the I didn't think of the ECW versus the WCW of it all. I was you almost said NWO. I did almost say NWO. <laughs> it's just how ingrained they are in that show for you. No, I'm just thinking we're halfway to our next shot. Oh god, we are. I know. I feel like we just did one. Well, I'm Nick, alongside Emily. As always. Emily, uh, how are you doing in this post-vacation world? I'm still desperately trying to latch on to, like, mornings on the beach and walks along the sand. Like, I'm trying, man. We came back from vacation. The first thing I did the next morning was go sit on the deck and pretend like I'm on the beach. This morning I went on a nice long walk. I'm just, I'm trying, but we're in suburbia and it really does not work. For reference, we were there for three full days and that's it. But in, it was long enough. It was five days total, but three full days. Yeah. When we were spending the entire day on the beach. Like, I, I miss it. Yeah, and unfortunately, this show doesn't really give you much of an island vibe. Really doesn't. I'm wishing this was like Bash at the Beach or something. No, but this show is ECW Anarchy Rules with a Z. The absolute opposite of vacation. Anarchy. Nin- yeah. I think so. It's not peaceful. <laughs> Just... You know, the opposite of vacation, anarchy. The opposite of peace, war, anarchy. I would say the opposite of vacation is working, but you know. I'm going off the vibe, man. Anarchy rules. It's a mood. It's a vibe. It's a bop. It is not any of those. It is a pretty good show, It's though. a good show, but I would never say it's a mood, a vibe, or a bop. Well, this show is kind of in Chicago. I didn't really catch what city it's really in, but they're like, we're in the Chicago area. <laughs> Close enough. It's the uh, Odium Expo Center. I think they even said like they're in the shadow of Chicago or something along those lines. And I think this is the first ECW show that we've watched that we actually solely watched the Peacock version, mostly because we went to go watch one of the other versions and it just had the entrances cut out. That was their way of dealing with the uh, copyrighted music. I mean, it's one way around it. At least Peacock didn't do that. Yeah. It was a significantly shorter file. I don't know if you could tell by looking at it, but this was actually the largest attended ECW show it did look pretty big and full. It had 6,000 fans. Okay. Which is more than uh, more than a lot of the paid numbers for recent WCW shows. So. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it looked full. Everybody that was there looked like they wanted to be there. And I know they rent out smaller arenas, too, so it might have might have been close to sold out. All right, I'm going to have you take a, a completely blind guess on the number of pay-per-view buys. Oh, God. I have absolutely no idea. How many, okay, how many did the last WCW pay-per-view get just for some sort of, some sort of something to go off of? Most recent WCW show, which, which was Fall Brawl, did 130,000 buys. Uh, it apparently only had an attendance of like seven or 8,000, so. Okay, so I'm going to say the ECW got 100,000 buys. They actually never hit over 100,000. Really? The last show ECW did, did 99,000 buys. Damn. They, which is the most they've ever done, obviously, considering they didn't break 100. Well, yeah. Uh, this show did 85,000. Okay. Which seems pretty standard with what they've been doing kind of recently. The okay. business is holding, which is kind of the problem. Right. Especially when their competitors are 
growing. I mean, I know WCW is not really growing, but WWF is. And that's really the, the death of ECW. Yeah, that and a few other things. Money. Well, Paul Heyman also <laughs> cursing out the network and daring them to throw him off the air probably didn't help. But he's also not paying any of his performers. So money. I love Paul Heyman, but the man's a little corrupt. I think slimy is more your word. Corrupt and slimy are pretty synonymous to me. So let's get into this show. We open with Masato Tanaka arriving and they just like, oh yeah, stop your car in the middle of this driveway. Uh, we want to interview you. He doesn't really say anything. No, because I don't think he speaks English, does he? Very minimally if he does. This is where I noticed the issue that I was going to have throughout the whole run of this show, which I did end up having. I don't know anyone. Yeah. <laughs> so all these people showed up and I was like, I don't, if it, if we were to stop and have me pause and say, who is that? It would have taken us four hours to get through the show. I will say you have seen Masato Tadaka a few times. I Yeah. I recognize his face. I don't know his name and I'm taking notes. I can't just say big Asian wrestler. Like, well, a car pulls up behind his car and it's Judge Jeff Jones, who we last saw bringing Sid into ECW for that one show, getting powerbombed, and then Sid left. Okay. It's been so long since we've watched an ECW show, I don't remember all the, the pieces of it. My brain has been filled with bad nitro. He takes issue with Tanaka's car blocking him from entering the arena. He then pretty much just taunts Tanaka until Tanaka shoves him, and it's like, you just committed a crime. And your judgment will be awesome or something to the... Oh, he, did he say that? Yeah, he drops the, the word awesome at the end, implying Mike Awesome. This was such a flimsy setup for a oh, match. Oh, yes, absolutely. I was not following it very well. It 100% was. This is a load-bearing segment, and it's not that structurally well-built. As opposed to what I, th- I still stand by is the most perfect setup for any <laughs> brawl ever that had... That had a line, that had story, that had structure. Perfect. Emily, what match are you talking about in case you have forgotten? You don't even remember, do you? <laughs> it was Max Muscle and DDP versus... Max Muscle was on the outside, but I yeah. don't remember. I, I don't even remember what show it was. <laughs> it was Halloween Havoc 95. Then, yes. The match of Halloween Havoc 95 that I was gushing over. There was DDP was in it. Two other guys. It was amazing. But the setup for it was perfect. By the way, the name you're looking for is Johnny B. Bad. Never would have gotten there. AKA Mark Marrow. Never would have gotten there. But yeah, if you ever need something to build up against for like how you build a brawl, that's how you do it. This tried. Well, that also was on at least a, a show before Halloween Havoc. It wasn't like, let's open Halloween Havoc with this random... They could have, and I would have been fine with it. We then go into the arena, and it's Joey Styles and Cyrus the Virus, a.k.a. Don Callis, welcoming I, us to the show. I love Cyrus. I, you enjoyed him more than I did. I was tuning out a lot of commentary during the show. I didn't think of him as doing commentary. He was just sort of talking. <laughs> he, he does commentary the way that Bobby Heenan does com- commentary. Not really. <laughs> I think it's doing Bobby Heenan a disservice. Joey Styles is the Tony Schiavone. They are the ones actually pulling the commentary. Yeah, they're doing play-by-play, and then yeah. someone has to do color. They're not commentating the match. They're just having a chat. Bobby Heenan is not doing commentary. Well, Bobby Heenan WCW isn't. Bobby yeah, Heenan neither WWF. is Cyrus the Virus. Well, Bobby Heenan WWF is. Cyrus the Virus is talking about some mythical board meeting that Joey Styles was not in attendance to. It was pissing Joey Styles off the whole time. It was great. 
Yeah, it's like you have heat with the network. It's like, what are you talking about? We talked about it at the meeting. Cyrus claims to be the best color commentator today and heals it up a bit. Joey then talks up the show and tells us that tonight, anarchy rules, which is a line they'll drop a few times. I, you know, I missed a couple of times. I, I heard the first time, but I didn't hear them bring it up another time. It's at least one more. They, there was probably a, a third one somewhere. Yeah. We then get the ECW opening package, which I think is just the same thing for every show. Yeah. It's nothing special. They really do not spend a lot of time or money on the graphics. I really should learn the the chart of who was doing what in ECW, because I'm just like, all right, what wrestler was in charge of the video department? Right. Let's move into our first match of the night. It is Lance Storm with Don Marie, who Emily has a whole new, um, I don't think appreciation is the right word, a whole new knowledge of. A whole new knowledge, yeah. A whole new something. So we've mentioned a couple times that Nick and I are watching SmackDown just for Very slowly. Very slowly, just for funsies, some sort of like background noise. And we're currently in 2002. 2003 at this point. It's January. Oh, okay. Well, okay. So we just finished 2002. And one of the main storylines is Don Marie and um, Al Wilson getting married. And that has been for fucking weeks that this storyline has been going. We just got to the part where Al Wilson died in storyline. And how did he die, Emily? Of oversexing. It was like a heart attack, but he got yeah. a heart attack from having sex. And to add to it, because we've been watching it slow, so slowly, it feels like it's been going on for even it's longer been going than on it has. Forever. Tori and Don just brawled at his funeral. Yeah, I feel like we said that we were slowly watching SmackDown like on episode four or five of this podcast, and we were in two thousand and two. Like it took us so long. <laughs> well, Don Marie is with Lance Storm, and they'll be facing Jerry Lynn. Jerry Lynn. That's the only one I'll do, I promise. Although, when Dawn and Lance Storm come out, it would imply that Dawn Marie is wrestling this match, considering she is the focal point of this entrance. Well, look at like look at her. She's gorgeous. Of course they're going to focus on her. Upon coming out, commentary notes that Jerry Lynn is the new effing show. Which got me wondering, because I didn't know at this point if um, RVD was on this show. So when he said he was the new effing show, I was like, oh, did RVD already leave? Like... Is that his, like, fuck you to RVD? He stays with ECW till the end. I know yeah. he, he gets hurt. Yeah. I don't know when that happens, but he gets hurt, like, for a while. Like, a, like a nine-month to a year injury. Oh, shit. But, yeah, without knowing, I thought that was just, like, a fuck you, Rob Van Dam. Now I'm the new effing show. No, I think that's just the conclusion of their feud. Okay. And, you know, you can always go back to it then. When introducing both men, they also introduced Don Marie. And they introduced Don Marie as Lance Storm's own personal bitch. My own personal bitch. I mean, they could have said a lot worse things. Yeah, you can just wait for the crowd for that. Exactly. It is a hot crowd tonight. I'm like, oh, shocking. They're very chanting. Oh, ECW crowd's hot. Shocking. They're st- they are chanting everything for everyone at all times. Match starts with good chain wrestling, followed by 50-50 counters, but Jerry Lynn gets the better of Lance Storm. They swap counters on the apron until Jerry Lynn hits a triangle dropkick and and Storm drops to the floor. story of the opening part of this match is that Jerry Lynn just kind of keeps getting the better of Storm after they go back and forth for a bit. Mm. They go to a rest hold, which prompts a show your tits chant. I'm shocked it took them that long. And while this is happening, Joey Styles refers to Don Marie as the fake tits at ringside. Good lord. Storm gets the advantage by dropping Jerry Lynn on the ropes, and then we get a cartwheel splash to the corner from Lance Storm. Low blow from Jerry Lynn right in front of the ref, and I'm like, aha, you cannot DQ. 
Yeah, you even said that while we were watching. I was like, oh, is this a no-DQ match? And you reminded me that every match is a no-DQ match in ECW. It doesn't stop matches from being thrown out. Yeah. And we'll get one of those later. Yeah. But, like, one move's not going to do it. The whole thing needs to completely break down. Yes, and we do get one of those later. Yeah. Oh, God. And what even, a mess. And even then, sometimes they're just like, eh, it's still a match. Fuck it, keep going. <laughs> I'm sure there's some, like, arbitrary rule of, like, okay, if less people interfere than are in the match you're good like if if there's if there's a six-man tag you can have five people interfere instead it'll still be fine right again that's not a real rule i'm just like it's probably there's probably a soft rule somewhere for that Mm -hmm. so we emily had to talk me out of something during this match because there's a sign in the front row that has someone's phone number on it Nick wanted to call this poor guy's phone number. What if it's still in use? What if he has just been berated by wrestling fans for the last 20 years? Leave the poor man alone. I'm not going to berate him. You were going to say, did you know your phone number is on a UCW pay-per-view? Like, leave (coughs) him alone. (laughs) Well, 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 production agreed because they take the sign. I have never seen them do that, especially in ECW. I know signs get taken. I've never seen it as blatantly as yeah. that. But maybe it's because it's in the front row. It's in the front row against the hard cam. Like, it was going to be there the entire time. Back to the match. Jerry Lynn dives onto Storm on the outside, which prompts, she's a crack whore chance. Uh. We get a pop-up low blow from Jerry Lynn, which commentary sells as, okay, you know, you did it to him, you get one back. Yeah. Lynn goes for a cradle pile driver, but the two counter back and forth into pins. Bridging German from Jerry Lynn gets a two. Storm counters a suplex into an inverted DDT, but it also only gets a two. Don Marie gets Lance Storm a chair, who puts it up in the corner, and we were really ready for that to be a big spot in this match. Yeah, but ECW also stands by the he who sets it up takes the bump. That is a throughout wrestling rule. I'm learning it is not just faction by faction. He who sets it up takes the bump. Or at least when it's an elaborate spot. Even when it's not. No, there, there, there's been spots where they, people set up a table and then put somebody on it and dive through. I guess. I guess, yeah. Lance Storm gets thrown into the chair in the corner and Jerry Lynn hits a sunset flip for a two. Lynn counters a powerbomb into a DDT on the chair, but Dawn puts Lance Storm's foot on the rope. Jerry Lynn tries to slide to the outside, but collides with the ring post in an interesting spot because I guess we didn't note Jerry Lynn's ri- ribs are taped up for this. Yes. So they, he goes to get thrown into the chair and he goes, oh, no, and like slides to, uh, to dodge it, but ends up just clipping the ring post and injuring his ribs. I don't know what to say more, but and it ends up injuring them because it's like, OK, would you rather hit, hit the post or, or, or the chair? And you even, you lauded that move. Like, oh, I can't believe we don't see that more often. Because it, it's a good move. It's interesting. It's different. Yeah, the only person I can think of who does the sliding in, in and around the corners is Baron Corbin. But Ugh. he does it every match, so it doesn't feel as clever. It just no, feels like a spot. It doesn't feel like you're thinking on your feet. Because this felt like very quick thinking. Yeah, it, it, it it's kind of kind of kind of similar to how... During Rey Mysterio matches, people fall uh, fall onto the second rope way more than against any other opponent. It's just like, like come on, guys. This feels forced. <laughs> it does. It, it has, in recent years, become a little more forced. Back inside, Jerry Lynn hits a stunner, but Storm kicks out, and Lynn, and Lynn follows up with a diving Hurricane Rana. Then we can get kind of a lame finish here as Lance Storm hits a knee to the ribs and then an inside cradle out of nowhere and just wins. For what was such a good match, this was such a shit ending. 
Yeah, it was just like, oh, that that, that was it. We even like backed up. Like, did we miss something? Like, it was such a flat ending. Yeah, because the the thing that prompted it was a knee to the gut. It wasn't mm-hmm. anything spectacular. No, like, it wasn't a finish or move or anything. Yeah, like if it had been even maybe maybe like, like a chair to the gut could have been something maybe. a little more impactful. But it just came came out of nowhere in a bad way. Yeah. Yeah, that was a bummer. But overall, this was a fantastic match. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I mean, I feel like unsurprising considering the two men involved. And it's like, you know, I'm I'm happy to have just seen the match and not watched the build for this because Yeah, that might have ruined it. <laughs> yeah, I Listen, I love both these men, but neither one of them is a fantastic promo. Fair. If you could be serious for a second. And I will give Dom Marie credit. She did not just stand on the side and, like, flaunt her boobs. She interfered. She did the right stuff at the right time. Like, we can give Dom Marie all the shit in the world for, you know, being who she is and, you know, flaunting whatever she's got. But she knows who she is and she does not try to change that. Or, like, she doesn't get mad at the audience when they call her these horrible fucking names. She kind of embraces it. Yeah. Like, I, I, I do respect her. Like, Oh, yeah. She's a professional. She's great. She knows what she's doing. She knows where she is. And she takes it with absolute grace. Yeah. And she's in a company where it's not expected for her to be a wrestler. So she's like, okay, I don't have to go learn this. I'm going to go do my job the best I can. Exactly. And not, okay, you're going to do this, but now you need to like learn how to bump. And nope. yeah. Yeah. She yeah. does her job and she does her job well. I don't know how much longer Lance Storm is in ECW, because I know he shows up in WCW. I just have no idea for how long. I know Jerry Lynn sticks around until the very end, but I want to say actually shows up on WWF television before WrestleMania. So oh. I think he, he sees the writing on the wall and gets out immediately. Does he have a very long career in WWF? Because I don't no. really remember him in WWF. No. As for Lance Storm, I know you say he goes to WCW. Is he part of Team WCW or ECW during the invasion? Um, I thought he was ECW. This just goes to show how much we're going to have to review the invasion. (sighs) Emily, he is part of that angle where it's like, you see these men have left WCW to join ECW. And then within 30 minutes, the, the, the two groups have merged. I don't remember that. <laughs> it's a great moment that's spoiled 30 minutes later. Yeah, we're 100% doing the invasion no! now. And the more you forget, the more episodes. I'm trying to forget. I want to forget. I don't enjoy having that in my brain. Why do you think that I have to ask you to like remind me plots of nitros and pay-per-views every time? Because it's bad and I flush it out of my brain the second after we finish recording. Just for the audience at home. The current plan is to just do the pay-per-views for the invasion, but the more Emily forgets, the more tempted I am to do every Raw. Anyway, you want to move on? Yeah, yeah. You want to get me out of this train of thought? Yeah. Uh, Commentary, Joey Styles and Cyrus Bicker. I love them so much. I do not remember loving Cyrus the Virus the last time we did ECW. I might have. I don't remember. He only did a few See, I flushed it out of my brain. I don't remember. But I love him. I love him so much. We're going to end up watching AEW just so you can see Don Callis whenever he comes back. Wait, Cyrus the Virus is on AEW? <laughs> I told you this last time, too. Yeah, he's Kenny Omega's manager. Again, brain flush. <laughs> oh, my God, yes. I want him on commentary. Fuck Taz. I want Cyrus on commentary. Taz is great on commentary. Fuck Taz. <laughs> uh, for... <laughs> 
I guess it's the obligatory reminder for you and the audience at home that uh, Cyrus was almost the person revealed to be the higher power for for the Undertaker's Ministry of Darkness. Oh, okay. I don't remember that whole storyline. Well, you probably don't remember the phrase, the higher power, as no. much as you would remember the phrase, it's me, Austin. The fucking way you just said that, I hate that. <laughs> I don't feel like doing the whole Vince McMahon impression. <laughs> your, your throat's already hurting you. No, it's Jerry Seinfeld, it's me, Austin. <laughs> it's me. No, as much as I fucking hate Vince McMahon, there's no one else that could have done that. If he, if anyone else had done that, it wouldn't have been as impactful. It wouldn't have been such a moment. You you realize that's a moment for all the wrong reasons, yes. right? Oh, absolutely, yes. But it's memorable because of that. No one would remember Cyrus. Yeah, there were a lot of different names being thrown around for that. I know Jake Roberts was one, but Jesus, if you look if you look at Jake Roberts around this time, it's for the best. It wasn't him. It's just Jake Roberts' snake. That's me saying it's me, Austin, and Snake. You're right. <laughs> this isn't even a show that you would lose your mind during, so I don't really understand what's happening here. I'm just, you know, in general, losing my mind. I walked three miles for really mediocre coffee this morning. Let's keep moving on, although I don't know if this will help the uh, insanity. We get Simon Diamond coming out. Simon Diamond. As he's coming out, Joey notes that Paul E. has high hopes for Simon. So fucking Simon. First of all, Simon Diamond comes out. Before he even, like, says a lot of words, he always, he keeps saying, like, Simon is, or Simon was, Simon says. I'm like, is no, it's this? Simon, it's Simon says, that's the whole he thing. He doesn't say Simon says the whole time. He says something else, or, like, Simon is here, or whatever. But I, before I even knew who he was, I was like, is this a fucking Simon says gimmick? And then it became a Simon says gimmick. I was like, oh my god, this is so cheap and stupid. Simon didn't say. Yeah, he does refer to himself in the third person throughout all of his promos. Mm-hmm. He says he does not suck, which prompts, you, you suck, suck dick. dick. <laughs> he then says something about needing a tag team partner. He then offers one of the guys at ringside, his name is Tom Marquez, a chance to be his partner. And the guy's like, fuck yeah, I'll be a wrestler. Oh, but Simon didn't say. Yeah. You gotta sit back down, you idiot. Simon didn't say. But apparently no guy in the back wants any of Simon. No man wants to be his tag partner. Yeah, he really hit the... uh, No man. Yeah, he overemphasized a little bit. Which prompts Jazz to come out, which the crowd did not seem into. No, which is unfortunate. I think they only want to chant about women being sluts. I don't think they want them to be wrestlers. Yeah, that sounds about right. We've seen Jazz before. Not, yeah, obviously not on this podcast. We've seen her a bit in our SmackDown watching. Okay, because she looked really familiar and I just could not place where she was. Yeah, she shows up within the last, like, month of the invasion mm-hmm. and um, anywhere, somewhere between good to decent wrestler. Yeah. Uh, I, She's a very capable women's wrestler to go up against the, like, actual wrestlers in, you know, the women's WWE division. Yeah, I think she's the definition of never got enough of a spotlight, but I want to say during the time she would have, she got hurt and missed a lot of time. Mm, That's a shame. And she also was coming up during an era of, no, 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 you need to be, you know, an 11 out of 10 to be on the roster. Exactly. She was just a good athlete. She was not tits and ass. Yeah, and they, they already had two or three people who could do that role, like... 
Jacqueline really kind of, like, walked that. Because she could dress up and be hot. But she was also, like, really athletic and a good wrestler. Yeah. I'm th- that was even, like, well, I'm th- on the cusp. I'm thinking more during when Jazz would have had a chance. I think that, like, a lot of that is... A lot of what Jazz could have done kind of went to Victoria around that time. Even oh, I don't even Victoria. A, even a heel Molly Holly from the, from around that era. Who's Victoria? Um, you, I guess you haven't seen much of her. I think the only thing you would have seen of her, unfortunately, is uh, she had a cameo appearance as the head of Godfather's Hose when they were trying to like unionize. <laughs> She unionized the host. <laughs> it was some, it was a save the host thing, but I want to say there was union undertones to it. Had a girl because the hose were getting beat up. Good for her. Unionize. Anyway, um, <laughs> unionize the hose. Well, you you mentioned the phrase just TNA, and that's what Simon says women are, and the crowd pops. Yeah, the amount of pop for that. She's like, I'm here to prove myself. No, you're a whore. Hey! (laughs) And then he throws a couple, like, you know, pseudo-racially charged, well, not not even pseudo-racially charged insults at her. Like, you could say so many things. Like, why? (laughs) So Simon then tells Tom, whatever his name, to attack Jazz, and he just does... And I'm like, yeah, why? Yeah, I'm like, what? He just said, he just faked you out to be his tag partner. Why are you doing anything for this guy? Yeah, so he then works her over until she grabs his nuts, uh, hits a face buster, and gets the pin. And I'm like, one, this was a match? I couldn't tell if this was a match, so I did not split any of this segment up, so it's just one big thing. (laughs) I wrote, Simon and another guy work over Jazz until Nova and Chris Chetty make the save. And uh, this is Nova her- is Green Lantern guy, right? Yes. The big fucking nerd. We're in a Green Lantern costume going by the name Nova. I'm sorry. One of your. I'm sorry. One of the people in your boy stable has a Green Lantern tattoo on his arm. He doesn't come out as the Green Lantern flaunting another Marvel superhero's name. Sorry. Yes. He comes out as the Hurricane. Yeah. He has his own thing. He is his own guy. Just because he has a tattoo just means that he's a nerd in real life. He doesn't have to be a nerd character. So Simon's partner, I finally got his name. It's Tony DeVito. Hey, Tony. And uh, this is a bad mess, and I think it really breaks down because at some point, Chris Chetty dives to the outside and shoot hurts himself, mm. and he's just out of this match now. He's out of this whole angle. I don't even know how much he was supposed to be involved because this isn't a long match. It's a clusterfuck. Yeah. Tony DeVito, like, almost doesn't hit a powerbomb, but gets him around enough because they kind of slips, but I think it was supposed to be a counter kind of thing. DeVito as a whole is not good. I didn't really take a lot of note of him, so I guess that's enough. Yeah. I'm like, why have I not heard of this guy? And I watched him wrestle and I went, that's probably why. This is why. Got it. Gotcha. I'm here. Uh, Some team interferes. It felt like an audible. I'm guessing they maybe sped up the timing on it. Okay, yeah. So you said that you saw these guys run into the the ring and make some sort of gesture. Oh, yeah. That's when you're like, oh, they're calling an audible. I didn't see this. Because Simon Diamond is standing on the apron and they have to like wave him in like, no, 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 like get in. We're now, you know, we're scrapping the current plan. Yeah, it, I didn't see it. Yeah, they they fully give him like like instruction. Like, okay, no, this is the plan now. So, I'm wondering what the original plan was. I can't imagine it was super far from this. Mm. It was probably just like a little bit longer extended. Yeah, a few more boys from the back come out to stop the interference. I am thoroughly confused. Oh yeah, uh, the ring fills up, and then we get new Jack's music hitting and. 
think we've mostly managed to avoid New Jack on this podcast. And Oh, New Jack. At least, you know, it wasn't a whole match, so we got that going for us. No, I don't think we ever saw no. New Jack in no. any ECW shows that yeah. we watched for this. I think we watched a documentary and you explained to me who New Jack was, and then we watched about yeah. the Mass Transit. Yeah. Yeah, we've largely managed to avoid New Jack on this show. Sometimes it's been um, because of the company itself. I think that's barely legal where they're like, yeah, you can't have New Jack on the show. So they oh, so, okay. they, so they write him out early on. And I think at um, at Heat Wave, he shows up at like, the very end and that's it. But, I don't remember. Uh, but don't worry. We get plenty of New Jack shenanigans during this. Mm. Emily, you want to run us through the greatest hits? I didn't really take a lot of... No- oh, well, I mean, the only note that I really have that New Jack did was the fucking staple gun. Yeah, so he comes out to the ring with a trash can full of weapons. He yes. has he has a, a, a like a weapon apiece for everybody, including he puts a, including laying a sign across someone's balls and then hitting it with, with a pool cue. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, it's that all probably didn't hurt that bad. I'm like, it's all standard stuff, and then he breaks out the staple gun. So this is where I stopped taking notes and started watching the match through my fingers, because he had I can't even tell you who it was. He had somebody on their knees in front of him, whipped out the staple gun put four staples in this guy's head i counted three i'm pretty sure it was four but you might be right again i wasn't watching very closely but three to four staples in this guy's head blood just starts gushing and then he follows it up with (laughs) with a guitar shot that i don't know how much talcum powder was in that fucking guitar oh my god that thing was full of whatever baby powder talcum powder whatever thing exploded into just like ash and dust and that's the segment. That's pretty much it. Yeah, if those are the greatest hits. I got the guitar, I got the straight the stapler, and that's all I got. Yeah, that was pretty much it. Yeah. But it was just like, a, oh, yeah, this is the why we don't like you The fucking staple gun. The fucking staple gun. Like, I remember seeing those in, like, my teacher's classroom, like, in their work bin and stuff in elementary school when they're putting up whatever, and looking at it and being like, that's terrifying. Before I even knew what wrestling was, I'm like, that's a weapon. That's scary. I remember I had a friend in, like, first grade who came to school one day and his brothers had staple gunned his head. And he had two staples at the very top of his head. He said he didn't feel it. And I was like, how'd you do that? And he's like, oh, it was, a, it was like a teacher staple gun. Like, like what new Jack had? And from that day, I was like, these things are horrifying. Boys are stupid. Staples are scary. True story, though. Yeah, I think it's more of like an air compressed one. But that's literally a, a, a plot point in The Wrestler of like, this is horrific. <laughs> Is that in The Wrestler? Yeah. Oh, God. That's a good movie. Yeah. And um, speaking of The Wrestler, if you want our thoughts on the Ric Flair last match, you can listen to it on our next episode. <laughs> We're not trying to wiggle it on the back of here? No. I I think we need to open the next w, WCW show with that because I think we need a little more time to process it. I, I want to make you rewatch it, but I understand it's if you long. don't. It's long and it's sad. That's it's, the that's the cliff notes. But God, we'll, it's sad. We'll save it. Okay. But yeah, we'll wa- we'll watch again, and we will give you our thoughts next time on the Butts and Seeds podcast. So let's move on because that was just a mess. There's nothing really to say about it. It was a it was a ring full of men I didn't know beating <laughs> and, the shit out of each other, and they didn't really seem to care if you knew. No. At commentary, Joey hypes up ECWWrestling.com, and he and Cyrus bicker some more. We then get a three-way dance match, which is a triple threat that Mm -hmm. is elimination-based. It is Little Guido with Big Sal versus Tajiri versus Super Crazy. This is another one of those weird worlds colliding matches because 
again on SmackDown, we just watched Lil Guido, who is now what's his name? Uh, he would be Nunzio in WWF. Yeah. We just watched Nunzio versus Tajiri in on SmackDown like two days ago. Yeah, and I noted that I'm like, wait, we saw this at Hardcore Heaven. Yeah, and now we saw it again. So we've seen that match three times. I may have said something similar last time, but little Guido just looks like he should be playing John Turturro's character and do the right thing. Mm-mm. And I also wrote that Big Sal is the definition of a big galoot. He is a big boy. Big boy just wants some love. But there's a pretty good clash of styles here. They note that Nunzio... I, I can't even not do it. Nunzio. Well, little Guido here. Just call him Guido. They know that little Guido is a little more like submission style shooter. Tajiri is a lot more kind of strike and kick mm-hmm. based. And Super Crazy is the high flyer of the three. Although Super Crazy is the cr- the crowd favorite from all intents pur- for all intents and purposes. He is. This was a really cool combination of styles too. So I, I like when they do this kind of stuff. Because it just, it keeps it more, it keeps it easier to follow as well. So like... The issue that I have with a lot of WCW matches where they just throw every luchador that's a high flyer into the ring at once. It's like you can't keep track of who's going where because everybody's moving so fast and doing all their moves. This, everyone's doing something different. So it was easier to keep track of everybody. And there weren't 17 of them. Yeah, fair. They're all pretty cagey to start. I think that's based on like, okay, like what what what, what style are we doing first? Tajiri, falls cr- Tajiri fa- vaults crazy who dives back onto little Guido. Guido gets dumped onto the ramp, and Tajiri head scissors super crazy. This one's going to be tough for me because it was pretty fast-paced, and sometimes my notes aren't the clearest. Here I wrote, both other men hit dives back inside. Sure. (laughs) Guido holds crazy, who Tajiri kicks once, and they're like, oh, he never misses with those kicks. And then Guido holds crazy some more, and Tajiri just blasts Guido right in the face. He didn't miss. Guido and crazy go into the crowd, and Tajiri dives on them. Big Sal comes in and slams the jury and then powerbombs Super Crazy, which prompts you fat fuck chance. I didn't get the I didn't get the chant on that one. We didn't get a bridging German suplex from Tajiri. I feel like you'd appreciate that. I love Tajiri. Who doesn't? <laughs> He's great. He's another one of the camping the boy stable. He's too loved. Your rules for the boys stable. No, I that's like they, that, they that, that's a rule. So much. It's like if you know somebody's name, oh, they can't beat your boys' table. No, that's not true. It has to be the most obscure fucker that's ever been. If they ever been on television, they can't beat it. It can't boys be somebody who's universally loved. Tajiri drops Guido into the crowd and then Crazy dives onto them, kind of mirroring the spot from earlier. Crazy drop kicks Sal through a table at ringside, which prompts holy shit chance. And I'm like, yeah, for that? Okay. They chant everything all the time. You fat fuck. Like that. That was just three words. It's three one-syllable words, and they will chant it all damn day. We get a tarantula from Tajiri to, to Super Crazy until little, until little Guido kicks Crazy right in the face. Oof. We get, then get amazing submission holds from Super Crazy, which is basically rolling Mexican surfboard stretches. Oh, it was so cool. Oh, my God. So much core strength from that man, but oh, my God, it was so cool. We then get a Boston Crab camel clutch combination to Tajiri, which... Did you catch what commentary called it? I Sicilian for- crab. Yes. We hit it basically an unprettier from Little Guido. And shortly thereafter, Super Crazy eliminates Little Guido after a moonsault. So it's down to Super Crazy and Tajiri, who then slow it down a little bit to catch their breath. Mm-hmm. Crazy hits a second row moonsault, but it only gets two. There's one point in this, too, where Super Crazy does a 10 punch spot, but they count to 10 in Spanish. Yes. And I actually really liked that. I wrote that as a DA punch spot. 
<laughs> no, I like that because it didn't feel racist. It didn't feel like go back to Mexico. It just felt like you're doing good things. Let's chant in your language. Yeah. It's like, I love that. I wish they knew how to count to 10 in Japanese, but uh, I don't know how to do that either. We get a springboard back elbow from Tajiri and then a spinning sit-out powerbomb from Super Crazy. He goes for a second one, but but Tajiri counters it into a tornado DDT. Not to be outdone, Crazy hits a, a, a tornado inverted DDT, but it only gets the two. Crazy goes for his triple moonsaults, but Tajiri counters the second one, hits a brain buster, and gets the win. Ooh, Tajiri! I like this one a lot, too. This was a really good match. <laughs> yeah, it did slow down a little bit once it got down to two men, which I thought, I guess, makes sense. But I mean, it didn't slow down to a detrimental amount, so I still enjoyed it. Yeah. It wasn't like fucking bear hug after bear hug. I really do like the three-way dance as opposed to the triple threat match. I know mm-hmm. it limits the stories you can tell, but... Really, what's the difference? Whether it's elimination based or not. So basically, oh, okay. you can't have a heel like steal the pin because, okay. you know, it wouldn't matter. But no, I mean, these are all three men who can go. So it was, you know, pretty unsurprising that they yeah. managed to put on a good match. Let's keep moving on. We're going to go to backstage. Steve Carino, Rhino, and Jack Victory talk. And we have, a, we have to talk a little bit here because apparently the Insane Clown Posse might have been slated for the pay-per-view. Oh, yeah. This was load-bearing. And so instead, Steve Carino challenges Raven and Tommy Dreamer for the tag team titles. So this is actually true. Yeah? Yes. The ICP were going to jump ship, like no notice, to show up on the pay-per-view. Apparently they found out you'll be losing in two minutes, and they went... Fuck that. (laughs) Yeah. Good. I mean, sad, but good for them. Yeah, it's like, yeah, we're not burning our bridge for that. How much longer are they with WCW? That's a relative question. Okay. Uh, our next Nitro is their last appearance for over oh. for about a year. Oh, really? Yeah. And then they come back. And come back right before it dies? Yeah. Yikes. Because there's also rumblings that WCW might fire them. I, I guess I don't know whether they fire them and bring them back. Well, they were planning on jumping ship without notice. And then ECW basically said, they were going to do this. You should fucking fire them. ECW ratted them out? They did it on air. Joey Styles was fully talking about, yeah, they were supposed to. Which is kind of shitty. That is really shitty. I mean, I guess I don't know when they said they weren't going to come, but... If it was like 10 minutes before the match, like, yeah, fuck you. But if it was like the day before, maybe two days before, I was like, come on. Uh, Then again, I guess Paul Heyman is not known for taking people no-showing or canceling bookings all that well. You're telling me that Paul Heyman has a temper? A little bit. I, I like this. I like having like a little bit of backstory. I like the back the backstage drama. Like you know me, I love fucking total divas. So, well, if I you like want backstage talks. drama, someone is here. <laughs> Let me introduce you to uh, our guests in the crowd. It is Billy Corgan, the lead singer of the Smashing Pumpkins. We don't have time to get into it now, but holy shit, is there so much drama with him and TNA Impact? <gasps> really? He came in as an investor. And then he got fucked out of so much money. Oh, shit. He now owns the NWA, which is the uh, which doesn't have the prestige it used to. It's where WCW actually kind of came from. Oh. And where TNA came from. Okay. But, yeah, massive wrestling fan. And he's a singer. Yeah. Smashing Pumpkins. I know the name. Yeah, I know the band. I just couldn't tell you any of their songs. Yeah, yeah I know a few of their songs. Admittedly, probably originally from Rock Band, but... Maybe. I don't know. They give me NPR vibes. Like, 
um, like Tiny Desk sort of music. Like good, but kind of underground. Yeah, they have a couple of pretty good songs. Uh, 1979, which I don't think is a song you would know off the top of your head. Uh, Today, Bullet with Butterfly Wings. They have some they have some hits. Okay. I mean, I'll, I will take your word. I'm the person who, for like five years running now, Taylor Swift has been my number one Spotify artist. I don't really have a large, you know, range of music I listen to. Nah, man. Richard Cheese is where it's at. Anyway. Let's move on to our next match. It is just incredible with the sexiest man alive, Jason, versus Sabu. I'm gonna choke you out. Although, speaking of uh, sexy, what a crop top on just incredible, <laughs> Jesus. I was hoping that we would see um, Stevie Richards. Did you like, saw a crop top? crop top? Like blue crop top, pretty boy. Like I thought. No, maybe. Stevie Richards is in WWF at this point. Oh, is he? Yeah. I don't have a timeline of when that all happened. I don't think the Blue Meanie is still there. I think he's back and he's dead. Because I think we actually see a clip of Blue Meanie in, in like a video package, but I think it's from like 1997, so. Ah, uh, yeah. But when does Right to Censor? Is that before 2001? That's 2000. So we're still pre-Right to Censor. Yes. Okay. Uh, anyway. So Credible says he has something up his sleeve in terms of tonight's match for Sabu, and he presents a restraining order. He presents it to the ref. Ref sees it, goes, yes, this is a legally do- binding document. However, tonight, anarchy rules. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was that was number two. You're right. There is a third one. Sorry. He also says, there is no law and order tonight. I'm sorry, what? Are we just drinking claws? Dun, dun. No laws when you're drinking claws. Just incredible. Then clocks the announcer for even attempting to announce Sabu. The lights go out and Sabu appears and starts working over credible. And I wrote in all caps, oh, God damn it. Fonzie is here. Fuck's sake. Listen. We got very lucky with Fonzie in this in this show, and I am thanking my lucky fucking stars that we ha- how for how lucky we got. I think he did dial it back too. He may have dialed it back, but also he was not miked with that fucking whistle as well as he was last time. I'm wondering. Ooh, I have a new theory. Hmm. Because it's a bigger arena, did they mic it further back so it doesn't pick him up as much? Maybe, hopefully. Sabu sets up a table on the ramp, but Just Incredible hits Russian leg sweep on the ramp and then lays Sabu on the table. He who sets it up takes the bump. Just Incredible splashes Sabu through the table and then back inside, we get a springboard sidekick from Sabu. Baseball slide sends Credible into the crowd in a really exaggerated kind of bump. Yeah. But I, I like the exaggerated because apparently there are no um, Jumbotrons. With ECW. Or yeah. if they are, they're not easily seeable. No, there's not in these arenas. So you need the exaggerated. You need to play to the people who are standing in the back. I like it. We had a chair-assisted springboard plancha to Credible in the crowd. I'm like, ow. Yeah. Because it didn't look, cool. It didn't it look like he caught him all that well. No, but it was cool. Credible rolls out of the way of a dive before it happens, which seemed weird because they pretty much immediately go for the spot it would have. Which is Sabu trying to hit a chair-assisted leg drop onto Credible on a table, which is like half on the guardrail, half on the floor, but it doesn't break. I think that was just incredible seeing what the spot originally was and going, fuck this spot. Why do you think that? I don't blame him. He was laid on a table that it was set up in between the the, the ring apron and the guardrail. So when he lands, he's landing an extra three or four feet with no cushion. Yeah. I like I don't blame him uh, on the concrete. E C dub. Yeah. Like that that seemed needlessly unsafe. E C dub. 
But yeah, as mentioned, uh, Sabu tries to hit this leg drop onto Credible, and the table just does not break. Not, not to be outdone, Sabu decides to become the table, and uh, I am the table, and tries again, and pretty much just hits the table, like misses Credible entirely. Sabu locks in a camel clutch, but Jason stops it twice. That is one weird thing I saw multiple times during this show in ECW. Where it's like, I have a submission in, but someone's, like, teasing coming in, so I keep breaking my submission hold. Yeah, I guess we do see that a little more often, but... It's not something that I really, like, pay attention to, but... I mean, you're not wrong. I mean, it's better than the, I have, I'm about to do a move, or I'm currently have somebody in a submission hold, and then someone's music hits, so yeah. I have to immediately break the hold. Yeah, that doesn't ever make sense. Or, yeah, I have you up for a move. It's gonna take them 20 seconds to come out. Let me, Better let me, just abandon the move. Yeah, yeah, that has never made sense to me. We get a super kick to Sabu as Credible finally gets some offense. Both men are bleeding. Credible from his face, I don't even know when. Yeah. And Sabu from his ribs, probably from that table spot. Probably. We then get camel clutches from Justin Credible. Sabu fights off Jason and goes to put him through a table, but Credible stops him with a, a kendo stick. The table is set up in the corner and Credible drop kicks a chair into Sabu's face. Springboard DDT from Sabu, and the two wrestle for the kendo stick, but Credible manages to get it and hits a headshot. You know, we got significantly fewer kendo sticks in this show than I anticipated there being. Well, Sandman's not back yet. Yeah, exactly. I was hoping. I really want him to be here. It's shortly after the show. I think by the next pay-per-view, he's here. Credible hits a quote-unquote bulldog through the table, and Credible really gets most of the bump. Like, I don't even know what they were going for there. Sabu hits a chair assisted moonsault and then a chair assisted leg drop. They trade that's incredible counters, which is basically just a tombstone, until Justin manages to hit it. Only gets a two, though. Sabu misses his Arabian face buster, and they trade that's incredible counters again until Credible hits one onto the chair and gets the pin. Woo! Thoughts on the match? It was good, but it was definitely the third in the three for me. Yeah, I think, well, technically there were four. Actually, yeah. technically five. That whole jazz segment does not count. I can't count that as a match. That was nothing. Technically, it was two matches, what I'm saying. That was not. That was not one. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. I wrote that this was good, not great. Exactly. This was, I mean, it was good, though. I mean, I would still take this over anything we get in WCW. Yeah, it was like we're kind of spoiled for choice here. Exactly. Uh, yeah, they are continually trying to push Just Incredible as one of the next big guys. What do you think? I think that he could be a, a main carter. I think he could be, like, a main eventer. But he's just not big. He's not a big, bulky guy. And we're still in the era of bulky guys on the main event. I mean, am I wrong? No, no, no. You're, you're right. No. I mean, I think he's great. I think he definitely has, like, the charisma and the mic skill. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of his promos. They kind of all feel like the same note to me. Yeah. But as long as it's a good note. Well... Let's, uh, speaking of the main event, let's go into a match that should be the main event and is not. Speaking of one note. It is the time for the ECW title match. It is Masato Tanaka versus Taz. Taz gets booed hard coming out. The crowd knows he's leaving. You sold out. Credit to him. He does steer into it and is not like, what? No. Yeah. Well, he's not meant to be. Oh, is he not? No. But Taz was always a heel. No. No, he's a face here and, uh. No, he's not. Well, he's supposed he's a face in the story. But yeah, the crowd the crowd does not want to see him. Well, he does get the streamers upon entering. 
which is always such a cool look. I love the streamers. Taz then grabs a mic and starts taunting someone in the crowd, and we see that it's Mike Awesome. Taz tells him to get in the ring, and suddenly Paul Heyman is there trying to hold Awesome back. We don't get a straight-up shot of Paul Heyman, though. We get his ponytail, and we're like, wait, that's Paul Heyman. Yeah, and then he, he does turn around after Eventually, that. Eventually, yeah. Taz heals on Paul Heyman a bit, and they do get a little insidery of, like, I booked you, or I promoted you to be, a, like, a star and all mm. that, and I was like, do we need this? Yeah, and they even said, like, it, this is a shoot or something along those lines at another point in the show where I'm like, okay, we get it. Y'all are insiders. That was a, that was a little it's more casual. Okay. Yeah, that I didn't mind that one as much because it was something light. It's just, it's very marked. Oh, yeah. It's like, come on, it, this is a show. Let's not bring the lingo into it. Like, let's keep that for backstage. Yeah, Paul lets Awesome go and makes it a three-way dance, which, you know, kind of shitty to Masato Tanaka. So this is what was killing me. Why wasn't Tanaka just attacking Taz while this was happening? Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he? He has honor. I, he was just standing in the corner while this whole match was being built around him. I would have been like, no, screw you. You're already leaving. Give me my fucking belt. Oh, the the other line that um, uh, Taz said to Paul Heyman that was a little like insidery. I'm getting you a goddamn buy rate. Let him in. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Which... Dude, no, you're not. It's already happened. Right. Everyone already bought the show. Yeah, no, it's over now. So Awesome gets in the ring, and Tanaka dives onto Awesome, and the two are just fighting, and Taz is just sitting in the corner, like, uh, sarcastically applauding. <laughs> we get a Taz flex to, to, to Tanaka, and then a German suplex to Awesome. The two work over Taz until we get a belly-to-belly to Tanaka. Mike Awesome hits an Awesome bomb to, to Tanaka, and Awesome goes up top, but gets caught with, with a Taz flex. Rolling elbow to Taz, and then a diving splash to Taz. Splash. And the two stack up and pin Taz. Taz is out. Taz is out first. This is a massive moment in ECW kayfabe. Really? Like, Taz is a killer, and just like two, three minutes, he's done. It's like, oh, shit. Well, the whole ECW roster is out on the ramp, too. Yeah. Just watching all of this happen. Yeah, the boys come out for Taz's exit, and the, Taz is kind of like, no, 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 like, it's about you two. Like, you two fight, and he's kind of saying- Leaving with honor. Yeah, he he's- He's kind of saying his goodbyes up on the ramp. and Because mm. he's been there for a long while. And, you know, he broke yeah. his he broke his neck, came back from that. And yeah. Was, you know, a big part of, like, the, the quote-unquote office. I just am not a fan of his character. I think that he's a fine wrestler. I think he's he did well in ECW. I don't think that he's any good in WWF. As a wrestler or a commentator. Sorry. Yeah, commentator, he fluctuates more. I'll, I'm more willing to defend Taz on commentary than the way Taz is booked. Mm. But Taz gets the goodbye song chanted at him, and Mike Awesome is, has enough of that and dives to the floor onto Tanaka. Because the crowd is good. just kind Keep of... Ign- going. Yeah, the crowd's kind of just ignoring the match. I'm like, yeah, no, 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 this is good. fucking match going on. Poor Tanaka. Get a diving clothesline from Awesome as the crowd is still distracted, and then a sit-out powerbomb. Awesome teases an awesome bomb to the floor, but Tanaka counters. They brawl around the outside, and Tanaka hits a running chair shot running all the way down the ramp. And Lily has to, like, tell tell the boys to, like, all right, no, like, clear the Red Sea. I gotta mm-hmm. run. We get a tornado DDT on the ramp from Tanaka. Back inside, we get a missile drop kick to the back and neck of Awesome. He follows up with a tornado DDT on a chair, and commentary's like, he's done. He's out. Uh, but, but whenever commentary says someone's done and out, they're yeah. not. They never are. 
Mike Awesome kicks out. Tanaka lays a chair on Awesome's face and then hits a diving chair shot onto the chair. Okay, so the way that he placed the chair on this guy's face, it kind of took me out of it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, so he placed on his face and, like, that's fine, but... But Awesome lay on the ground with the chair on his face. He has to, like, keep positioning it for it to balance on his face. It's not, like, leaning from one side to another. He's trying to balance it on his face. And that kind of got me out of it. This looks carny now. Well, Emily, what it is, is the chair is just so heavy he couldn't lift it. (laughs) You know, it's like like the the stairs at ringside where they weigh about a thousand pounds on on some nights. I meant to ask you, why is ECW doing the ramp right up to the apron? I don't know. Sometimes it's just a choice. Yeah. I've never really understood why. It, it kind of like negates the ability to like run around the ring. Yeah, I I don't. I've never gotten it. There's, I don't think there's really a whole reason why. Yeah, I did really love the wind sprint with the chair. I know we already talked about it, but like thinking about him coming up that ramp, like it was really fun. That was a cool spot. After Tanaka slips on a power bomb, awesome, awesome bombs Tanaka through the table on the floor, and I'm like. Okay, I was fine with that, because I've seen that spot look a lot more unsafe of yeah. Masato Tanaka just landing right on his fucking neck. Oof. Then get an Alabama slam to, to Tanaka, and Awesome goes up top and hits a splash, but it only gets a two. Splash. We then get three massive chair shots to the head. Yeah. The first two don't even knock Tanaka down, and the third one, he gets up immediately, and they, 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 they've bent the chair. Yeah, I don't think these chairs are gimmicked, right? No. 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 We get a flipping stunner from the corner on Awesome, but he kicks out. Awesome dodges a rolling elbow and hits a spear. He then calls for a table and grabs a chair and hits a diving chair shot to Tanaka's head. Awesome sets up the table. We get a weak chair shot that lays Tanaka on it, but Tanaka stops, stops an Awesome Bomb. Awesome then counters that into a top rope Awesome Bomb through the table and gets the pin. New champ, Mike Awesome. I fucking love this man. He is pretty great. Like, he for coming out unannounced, like, he was pretty great. Taz is back in the ring. He has the title in hand. He has the title and hands it to Awesome. In kind of a show of, like, okay, no, you are now the guy. Yeah. These two will have a very historic match in the year 2000. Oh. But more on that another day. In the year 2000. Thoughts on this match, Emily? I think my hatred for Taz really overshadows. I like Mike Awesome a lot, and I like Tanaka a lot. Taz is out in the first, like, three minutes. But it's all about Taz. The whole thing is about Taz. So, like, yeah, he's not in the ring, but the whole energy is like, oh, there's lost time, we're going to see Taz, whatever. I like Mike Awesome a lot. I wish we got to see more, like, character work, I guess, from Tanaka, because I I feel like he got kind of the short straw. Yeah, I'm not sure how much Tanaka's even been on ECW television or how signed he is, because... They're noting he's like the FMW champion over in Japan. And I'm yeah. just like, are you on the show? Because Awesome hasn't been. This is Awesome's like right. return. Right. I figured that. Like, I'm assuming he wasn't advertised or anything like that. No, I don't even know how much he's been signed. He might have just been showing up. He might have like... actually just been there. No, I'm saying like when we saw him previously, I think it was just like, okay, you're booked for one night. Yeah. It's not like you're under contract. But I like this match a lot. I, I agree that the Taz bit at the start is I think a good moment because it you know it helps put over both of these men when they take out the mm-hmm. unstoppable force in the first three minutes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it is. It is a good moment. I will say that, and I liked seeing all the ECW guys on the ring too to watch him leave. Like, 
is good. Yeah, probably not a perfect comparison, but picture a three-way dance with like Goldberg, um, DDP, and Chris Benoit. In the first two minutes, they take out Goldberg. Yeah. It's like, oh, that, that does a lot for these two. Yeah, it does. No, I will say it was a good match. Not a great match. Don't really feel the need to watch it again. Yeah, Austin and Tanaka have enough great matches that it's like, yeah, this one is right. prob- probably towards the bottom of the scale, but still a good match. Yeah, I don't really need it. We then go somewhere, and Raven's there, which I like forgot. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, Raven. <laughs> I knew he left WCW, but I forgot that he went back to ECW. I forgot he's back so soon. Oh, I figured it was like right away. Well, non-competes are always a weird thing, but... I guess this is the era of 30-day ones and not 90-day yeah. ones like they are now. Uh, is it only 90 days? Yeah. I'm kind of shocked. Well, it's a whole thing of independent contractors. You probably only get away with so much. Independent contractors. Such a fucking scam. So Raven chats Tommy Dreamer and their history. And there's clips going back to like 1996. <laughs> Which is cool. I like seeing that far back. Like the the history of them. Yeah. They're currently... Tag team champions, but it's very much a, like, reluctant partnership. Mm. It's kind of weird. Raven, I guess, seems to be sticking around just to make Tommy Dreamer's life miserable. Seems to be the main story. <laughs> Which I love. I love that. The other story is that Tommy Dreamer, like, really cannot beat Raven. Yeah. I think, like, minus once. I don't think of Raven as a good wrestler. He's a really good character and he's a really fun promo, but, like, I don't think of him as, like, a great in-ring worker. Yeah, I mean... I feel like sometimes you conflate the in the the shoot rest the shoot skills with the kayfabe skills. Yeah, maybe. I mean, where it's like, oh, you know, Dean Malenko is a great worker. It's like, is he the best wrestler in the company? Probably, but like, you know, if you're thinking like video game, like what's his overall? Like they they'd give him an eighty as opposed to they'd give Hogan like a ninety nine. No, I'm talking like technical wrestling ability. Yeah. I they I don't think that Raven's that great. Okay, I, I, don't, I don't understand what you're saying. I'm saying in kayfabe, he's a more powerful wrestler kind of thing. Like, okay, I think Tommy Dreamer was a better wrestler than Raven, so the fact that he can't beat him doesn't make any sense to me. I think that's stupid. I know, but wrestling's not real. So? <laughs> if you're going to sit here and tell me that Hulk Hogan's a better wrestler than Dean Malenko, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. No, but I'm saying in, in kayfabe... He, you know. In kayfabe, he is a bigger presence. How about that? Raven can be a bigger presence than Tommy Dreamer, a bigger in-ring threat, I guess, in that sense. He has a higher kayfabe overall. So I never, I don't even know this story ever even has a proper end because of how much they constantly go back to the well on it. But we're going to our next match. But first, Joel Gertner comes out to interrupt, does his sexy shtick. Have we seen Joel Gertner before? Yes. I don't remember him. Yeah, we we definitely have in a few spots. He used to be with, with the Dudley boys a lot. Mm, okay. But they are now, but they're gone. I don't know if they've debuted at this point in WWF. Yeah, I don't know. They're any day now if they yeah. haven't. But Joel Gertner is here to introduce, to interview Francine and Tommy Dreamer. So it is Francine? Did we confirm that? Because we couldn't tell if it was Beulah or what. Yes, this is Francine, but Beulah okay. was in the video package beforehand. Okay. Beulah, Francine, and Don Marie are all within one degree of each other. I cannot tell the three of them apart. 
So Joel asks him about his back, the titles, and his career. Tommy Dreamer says he was at Wrigley Field yesterday and saw Sammy Sosa hit number 60 and like pulls up a, a ticket stub. I'm guessing it was he was actually there. Yeah, I believe it. Which, which I'm now realizing him hitting number 60 is not nearly as meaningful during this year because the big home run race was the year before. Oh, okay. I just realized, wait, oh no, that's not this year. I don't know. I thought that was a much bigger deal. Anyway, um... Tommy compares himself to Sammy Sosa and that they, they do what they do for the fans. He says he doesn't need any glitzy shit and wants to innovate some violence. <laughs> Steve Carino then comes out to taunt Tommy Dreamer and then has the line, Rhino, go get him. I forgot about Rhino because I remember him from WWF. He's just a big lug of nothing. I like, I, I think you might grow to like Rhino in ECW. Maybe. He's just a big boy. Although, I cannot think of Rhino in ECW without thinking of the clip of him pile-driving Buell McGillicuddy through a a table at ringside from the apron and getting a mic and going, Happy Mother's Day, you fucking bitch! It's like, Jesus, Rhino. God. Sorry, it may be Happy Fucking Mother's Day. You bitch. (laughs) So it's some something like that. I I don't think the uh, where the word fucking goes really uh, affects affects the sentiment too much. So Rhino gets in the ring. Dreamer manages to hit a hangman's neckbreaker. Dreamer chases Carino to the back and then wheels Jack Fi- Jack Victory into a Francine chair shot. Francine get a slingshot crossbody to to Rhino and then Dreamer goes for the Spicoli driver, but his but his back gives out and Rhino hits a spinebuster. Dreamer throws Rhino into a Carino, Steve Carino held ladder at ringside, and Rhino counters a DDT and drops Dreamer back first onto a chair. Francine tries to intervene, and Rhino slams her in a rough-looking bump because she did not take it flat. She took no. it like on her hip. And then Raven comes out and makes this aid. This whole time, though, Francine is just, like, laying unconscious face down in the ring. Her dress is up over her ass. I don't know if she's wearing underwear. I think she was. Maybe a thong, because it's just cheeks. Everybody brawls for a little bit. Raven and Dreamer hit double DDTs on the heels and win. Ooh. Raven then goes to the back with his belt. He actually didn't even take it off. He had the belt on the whole time. No. And Raven's friend Mancow is here. Who is Mancow? Some radio DJ. Mancow in the morning is his show. Yeah, you said it like, oh, I know him. I've heard the name. Okay. I don't know the guy. Uh, he has a beer thrown at him. He seemed to love that, though. He started like laughing and smiling along with that. I think he loved it. And in a nice summation of this of this story, after saving Tommy Dreamer, Raven flips him off before going to the back. Yeah. But why did he come and save him? I mean, he was supposed to be part of this match. He left him high and dry. Yeah, I don't really know what story they're fully going with here. I think that's meant to be part of the story, is you're not sure what Raven's motivation is. Yeah, maybe. I didn't really like this match as much. Yeah. This one it was wasn't really, really a match. It wasn't much of anything. Which is him, because I like Tommy Dreamer. Yeah, it just felt like kind of more of a random brawl where a bell happened to ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And to add to the confusion of matches and non-matches, Axel Rotten then comes out and hypes up the crowd on the show so far. And he's like, Mike Awesome, I'm calling you out. I'm <laughs> like, yeah? And then the Impact players come out, which is oh, just incredible and Lance Storm. You're glancing past like a great line that Axel Rotten had. Oh, 
He's, he admitted, I am not the best worker, but I can bleed like a bitch. <laughs> That's a great line. It's the most ECW line. Yeah, the Impact players come out and say this pay-per-view is about them, and then they th- threaten Axel Rotten. Axel then calls Lance Storm a mark and says the people are cheering for the tits, not the talent. That's probably true. Well, they're also booing Lance Storm and Just Incredible, so. But they're cheering for the tits. He then hits the first punch, but succumbs to the numbers game. Balls Mahoney and Little Spike Dudley come out to make the save. Get an acid drop from Little Spike Dudley to Don Marie. And Balls clears the ring of all the heels. One of the members of the Impact players was Johnny Smith, who ate a big chair shot, was apparently supposed to face Rob Van Dam in what would have been the main event, I guess. Tonight? Yeah. This oh. was not meant to be Balls Mahoney's match. Oh. Axel, Axel Rotten then grabs a mic and basically pitches, well, okay, Johnny Smith is, you know, going to the back, so Rob Van Dam, why don't you face this guy? Oh, I guess I missed that. Yeah, commentary notes it a few times hmm. during the... I guess I guess I missed that it wasn't supposed to be Balls Mahoney for the main event. Yeah, it's just a weird setup because one, in kayfabe, Rob Van Dam and Johnny, what's said Johnny Swinger, Johnny Smith, was gonna be your main event. Like, I guess I don't know Johnny Smith all that well, but I think that's kind of my point here. I I mean, do you know Balls Mahoney? A bit more. No, I don't. I don't think I've ever heard the name. But you're also just impromptu changing your main event. But, Fly by the seat of our pants. But Rob Van Dam comes out and accepts, and now our main event for the ECW television title is Rob Van Dam versus Balls Mahoney, or as I call him, Extreme Jim Duggan. Balls, balls, balls. Which shout out to Jim Duggan for recently uh, beating cancer once again. Oh, did he? Good yeah. try. Oh, wait, we just saw Jim Duggan. Yes. Yeah, well, good for him. Match starts, but Rob Van Dam just mugs for the camera and they stall for a little while at the start of this. Pretty much nothing special until Rob Van Dam hits a springboard sidekick and then a top rope crossbody. On the outside, Balls Mahoney calls for a beer, takes a sip, and then splashes Rob Van Dam with, with, with the rest of it. Balls catches RVD trying to springboard off the guardrail, and but Balls gets dumped into the crowd. Ponzi throws a chair at Balls to hold, which Rob Van Dam is supposed to go for a springboard kick. But Van Dam kind of slips, so Balls just throws it right in Van Dam's face. <laughs> Which you were like, wait, did he just turn on Van Dam? It's like, no. Nah. I thought I, I thought it looked like Alfonso was turning on Rob Van Dam. It looked like he th- he gave Balls just a weapon. No, that's a spot they do a, a decent bit, which is just like, okay, you, you catch the chair and then Van Dam will kick it into your face. <laughs> which doesn't make sense. Why would you ever catch a chair? I think it's just instinct of like, well, also, I guess it's being thrown at you, so... And post-chair throw, he drinks a bit of beer, and I forget if he actually throws the rest at Van Dam or just finishes it off. Either way, some poor guy in the audience lost a beer. <laughs> I, feel like he took a, I feel like there was a, a, a couple decent amount of sips, and it's just like, dude, these ain't cheap. Yeah, right? I and feel it, like if that was you, you would be kind of pissed. And it's the main event, so I, like, one, I'm not going to leave to get more. Two, I, can't, I probably can't go get yeah, more. Yeah, they probably closed down all the bars or all the, the vendors that have beer. We get a power slam from Balls in the ring and then uh, after some Balls punches and then a spinning heel kick takes both men to the floor in a spot I think you thought was going to go very wrong and you're like, oh. I really expected it to go badly, but it actually ended up being kind of cool and not something that I've seen in that style before. It was cool. Yeah, it's kind of similar to like a Cactus Jack clothesline, Mm -hmm. but a weird like head scissor, like sidekick kind of thing. Either way, it was cool. 
Unique. Ball throws Van Damme into the crowd and grabs a chair. He misses a chair shot and Van Damme hits a Van Daminator and credit to Balls Mahoney, he was really short in that chair shot to not hit anybody in the crowd with his yeah. miss. Yeah, that's always a big risk. I wonder if you have to like sign waivers or anything when you go to these shows. Probably not. Top rope flipping Senton onto Balls in the crowd. I'm like, holy shit. Balls is bleeding from something. I don't really know what. You said it might have been blading, right? Well, I'm saying in, I'm saying in the course of the match, I don't know what's supposed to oh, cause I that. Oh, yeah. He bladed. Balls goes up top, but Van Damme catches him with the kick, but gets pushed off and Balls hits a second rope leg drop, aka the New Jersey Jam. The New Jersey Jam? Yeah, I think, I don't, I'm, I'm guessing that's based on the d- top rope diving leg drop is called a Tennessee Jam for some reason. I don't know who invented right. that move, but I'm guessing it's based on that. Cool. We get a sit-out spine buster, a.k.a. the ball breaker from Balls. Balls, balls, balls. And he goes up top again. Balls hits a frog splash and after doing the Rob Van Dam fingers very quickly on the top rope. <laughs> but Van Dam kicks out. Balls goes up top again, but Van Dam stops him and hits a superplex with an incredible spring from Van Dam on the landing. Yeah. He bounced like a freaking bouncy ball. It was so wild. And on top of that, immediately after, he does like a moonsault and lands on his feet to grab a chair and then hits a Van Daminator yeah. to a seated Balls Mahoney. It's like, why'd you do the flip? There was there was no need. It, just the flair. He wants the he wants the pizzazz. Well, and I, and I and I skimmed over the fact that that chair is set there by Bill Alfonso, who lays the chair there mid somersault and oh. then gets like caught up in the ropes. <laughs> He's the one that wants the flair. Let's be real. He wants to have a little sparkle in his moves. I'd rather him do that shit than be blowing the fucking whistle. So again, counting my blessings. We get a rolling thunder onto a chair on balls, which I don't think it's called that yet. I don't know if if that's a uniquely WWE WWE name. The rolling thunder? Yeah. Hmm. Van Damme counters getting thrown off the top rope into a monkey flip and then goes for another monkey flip, but balls turns into a running powerbomb onto a chair. RVD tries for a Northern Lights suplex, but Balls counters it with a Tornado DDT onto the chair again. We get a pile driver from Balls complete with RVD spring cell. <laughs> Balls then hits a super kick and grabs his special chair. Special chair. And we get a gnarly chair, chair shot to oh Rob, God, Rob Van Dam's head. We get a lot of gnarly. It was like three of them, wasn't it? Like you can see the chair bend, but... Considering it's always painted on, I'm wondering if those are a little flimsier, considering how much he loads up that shot. I hope it was flimsier. Bill Alfonso breaks up the pin and then throws a chair into Balls' face, but much like using Toxic on a, on a Skarmory, it has no effect. Wow. You even told me you would make that joke, and it's still... <sighs> Balls goes to kill Bill Alfonso, and the look on Emily's face was, yes... I want to see a murder. I Like I've been saying, he hasn't been that bad this show. But I'm still not over the last one. Rob Van Dam heel turns in Emily's heart by saving Bill Alfonso Honestly, with, yes. with the top rope Van Daminator. He then hits a frog splash and gets the pin. Post-match, Balls grabs his chair, so Rob Van Dam grabs one too. They then both drop him and embrace. And we go off the air with a montage of the night. Wow. Thoughts on the match? Not my favorite. Good. Not my favorite. It was better than I expected because much as I, I know a bit about Balls Mahoney, but he doesn't terribly excite me. No. Uh, I suppose you've actually watched Balls Mahoney wrestle at the last pay-per-view. Did I? Yeah. Mm. He actually teamed with uh, Spike Dudley. 
Oh, you mean the last ECW pay-per-view? Yes. When? How long ago did we watch that? Probably a while ago. Yeah, so I don't don't act like I know. Don't act like I remember. But yeah, I didn't have high hopes, and, and but even though it's Rob Van Dam, and I think you know, I got proven wrong. I think Rob Van Dam is what made this match good, but it was missing like something for me. You know what it was? It just didn't feel like a main event. No, it really you, you didn't put this halfway through the show, we probably would liked it more. Yeah, probably. And I don't get why. It was a main event. Yeah, I don't get why you didn't have the Taz, Mike Awesome, and Tanaka match go on last. Yeah, I really couldn't tell you. Because I guess that was a better match. Is there something against like having a three-way dance as the fin- as the main event like no. they didn't want to do? I, I'm i sorry. I do have to keep laughing at just your lack of memory for the ECW shows. Because the first one we did it, it was main evented by... Actually, no, it's not main evented by a three-way dance. Because it's the one that Terry Funk wins and then has the weird three-minute match with, with, with Raven. Ah. Again, we watched that over a fucking year ago. I know. Grant me some grace. I know. We watch so much wrestling. So, yeah, technically not main evented by a three-way dance. However, I can't imagine that's the case. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't know if that will ever know. But uh, thoughts on the show as a whole? It was a really good show. And I was very well paced. Like, all the matches were long, but they were all good. And it didn't feel like, oh, my God, we've been sitting here for two and a half hours, you know? Yeah, we did end up watching the main event on a later day. Just because we were tired. Like, yeah, it had was, nothing it to do with the show. Exactly. It wasn't like, I can't watch any more fucking wrestling. It's just, I am exhausted. Yeah, the je- the Simon Diamond bits. <sighs> I thought they were kind of funny. I didn't mind them that much. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm not saying his promo. I'm saying... Oh, the whole mess that happened after? Yeah, just the, 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 the two matches and, yeah, and the new Jack. I'm just like... It it seemed to drag the show down from A tier to probably B tier. Yeah. I mean, it's better than any fucking WWE pay-per-view we've seen lately. Oh, yeah. But that's not a high bar. It was definitely more entertaining, and I'm happy that we did this little offshoot. Yeah, it, it is... It is a very, it's a very different breath of fresh air than Halloween Havoc was. Mm-hmm. Halloween Havoc just made me sad more than anything. Because, like, it was so good, and we knew what it became. This is just, like, this is just good. And, yeah, it dies soon, but it's okay. Yeah, this is more frustrating of, like, look, frustrating. What, look what they're doing over here at the same time. The exact same week. This is what your competitor is putting on, and you're putting on WCW shit? Yeah. No. And, and you're signing guys from WCW and doing nothing with them. Exactly. Yeah, it's just frustrating. Yeah, friendly reminder that um, the... The WCW Hardcore Championship is just not a thing again. Yeah. After Finley won it and got hurt. He hasn't come back yet, has he? No. Mm. He's rehabbing, but... Yeah. Yeah, last we saw of that, Dean Malenko got the trophy back from the first family, and we have not seen it since. It's kind of probably okay. I mean, that will be an actual championship at some point, but... Eventually. Yeah, I have a feeling that's probably a high order of business for Vince Russo once we get to get in. But more on that another day. For now, let's let's go back through for best bit and MVP. Emily, what is your best bit? I'm giving it to the first three-way dance. Tajiri and Super Crazy and who was the other guy in that? Little Guido. Little Guido. Yeah, it was just fun. It was a really good match. Yeah, I think I have to agree with you in terms of in totality. It, it, it actually has the focus on it and it doesn't have similar matches that overshadow it. I mean, there are similar matches, yeah. but I'm not like... Oh, but I know, I know they do this. Right, exactly. But it, it stood on its own really well, and it was fun. Like, 
I liked it a lot. Yeah. And Emily, who is your MVP? I'm giving it to Cyrus the Virus. Yeah? He was really fun. I liked him a lot. He brought me joy. I give it to commentary a lot more than you do. I'm wondering in the ECW shows, have you like have you actually given it to a wrestler at all? Or has it been a commentator ever? Because I remember you gave it to Shane Douglas for uh, Heatwave. Although I think I might have as well. Yeah, I don't remember. So maybe. So my MVP is going to be Mike Awesome. Okay. I think he got given a difficult task, which is the crowd fucking hates Taz for leaving. You need to make them cheer you upon you winning and make them effectively not miss Taz. Yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. And I also think... You just like Mike Awesome. Oh, one, yes. Two, he hits some big fucking power moves, which, you know, I always love that. Yeah. Yeah, no, he did good. I just, I wish there, there was more of him in the show. Like, if he had showed up more than once, I think that that would have been more of a, like, or he had cut a promo or something. He's not a promo guy. I like a promo. But his mullet, though, Emily. I didn't really pay that much attention to the mullet. But that's going to do it for ECW Anarchy Rules 1999. Woo. Next up for us is the September 20th, 99, Monday Nitro. So we're we're less than a month away. We're getting there slowly. Somewhat slowly. We're, we're, we're putting out episodes pretty frequently. I know, but it, just, it feels like it's so close, but so far. Yeah, it doesn't help that we're in a, a, a dead zone of ECW. And, yeah, WCW is so boring right now. But until then, you can listen to all of our back catalog on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. You can also find, find us on social media at Butts in the Pod on Twitter and Instagram and the Butts in the Seat podcast on Facebook. Emily, any closing thoughts on our way out of here? I'm happy that we came back to the land of extreme. Credit um, to you for calling it the right thing. Shut up. And I'm not really excited to go back to WCW. Well, listen, we don't have to go back immediately. We're, like I said, we're going to open next show by talking about Ric Flair's last match. Oh, what a w- selling point. Won't that be a nice breath of fresh air? No, it wasn't and it won't be. What are you talking about? It's great. Hey, listen, he lived. He's he alive. Lived. Barely. Oh, God. So and you got that to look forward to next time. But until then, I'm Nick. I am Emily. And thanks for listening to the Butts in the Seats podcast. Bye.